Hey, get ready. You're listening to the American Landman Podcast, show number seven. Hey, guys, welcome back to the show. It is June 15th as we record this, so I'm not exactly sure when you're going to hear this uh, episode, but we recorded a couple today, and man, it is hot as heck outside, but we're getting some much-needed rain on my food plots here at my farm in Indian Creek. But as we uh, record this, I'm in the American Landman Studios here in Holton, Wisconsin, Northwest Wisconsin, and it is raining hard outside, but we t- tell you, we needed that rain and uh, we needed it bad because it was pretty dry outside. And um, I got my seeds in the ground. I've been uh, talking a little bit about it on my YouTube channel. And if you, if you guys don't know me already, if maybe this is the first time you find in this um, uh, podcast, make sure you check me out on, on YouTube. Just search the American Landman um, you should find my channel. It actually comes up under a search Neil Hogger Land Specialist, but the uh, channel vlog is called The American Landman. It's kind of a visual representation of what I do every day as a land specialist for whitetail properties. I do a lot of filming on my farm, kind of putting things into practice, showing you my uh, my fails and my blunders and good things and bad things. Talk about property purchase. We do a little bit of everything on the American Landman vlog. And that carries over here where we talk to some great some of the greatest minds actually in the uh, industry when we buy manage and sell american land so that leads me into today's talk we're going to talk to uh, sam billhorn of whitetail partners sam has been a guy that i've followed on uh, instagram for a while and we got to know each other and i said sam would you like to come on um my show here and talk a little bit about your services because sam's doing some pretty neat things i think not only is he designing properties for people and doing a heck of a job doing it. Um, he's also coaching on how to buy properties and he will kind of do a consulting um, meeting with you, looking at properties that you're considering purchasing, kind of advising you on what Sam thinks he can do with those properties after you purchase it. Sam is not a real estate agent, so he can help you in ways that maybe a real estate agent either wouldn't have the skills to do or can't do or doesn't want to do. Sam might be a great uh, guy to talk to. So you're going to pick that up in here. Um, Not only is he going to talk a little bit about habitat uh, management and design, we're going to talk about how his designs kind of influence the values of properties. And then uh, he's going to talk a little bit about his coaching. So without further ado, let's bring Sam Billhorn in. This is the American Landman Podcast. And hey, welcome to the show, guys. Hey, we've got Sam Billhorn here with us from Whitetail Partners. Hey, Sam, good morning. Hey, good morning, Neil. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. I'm. Uh, we've been talking for a while, at least. I don't uh, think it, it, maybe it's been a year-ish. And um, I've heard you on a couple other podcasts, and I thought, man, this guy's got a lot of good stuff to say. And uh, I was really impressed with your knowledge and your process on the um on the design and habitat uh, side of your business, um, as well as your your history. Um, but uh, I really was hoping that today we're going to get into this consulting and coaching side when you're helping people buy land or pick a property and they're evaluating whether they want to purchase it or not, and let alone what you can do after they get it. So why don't you uh, why don't you take a little bit of time to tell us about your business at Whitetail Partners, how you got started, um, what that looks like, and then we'll dive right in. Sure. Well, thanks again, Neil, for having me. And yeah, as you said, it, there's there's a variety of different ways that I help people, and, and really each of the the services that I've come to provide has just come from a, a need. You know, people calling me and um, 
meeting them where they're at as far as whatever uh, part of the process they're in. You know, sometimes I'm talking to people that have owned land for a long time and looking to have a fresh look on it. And then other times it's people that haven't bought land yet, but are considering that process, which is more of, you know, where the interest lies here and the content we're going to talk about today. But, uh, you know, I, I do help people uh, to uh, secure a property is in terms of like helping them understand what to look for, uh, for a hunting property, uh, the different things to consider uh, on the front end. And then, you know, once they have uh, pulled the trigger and uh, made that purchase, then, then helping them set up that property to, to be uh, successful for them. And, and, you know, it's something that I work very hard to not just look at the land, but also to understand the, the client, the needs they have, the uh, work that they're uh, interested in doing and, uh, you know, what the what a successful hunt looks like for them. For every uh, person, that's different. Yeah. You know, different types of hunting, different interests and all that. And basically, you know, I'm more heavily on the design side, not the land management and uh, construction side, if you will. Uh, but helping people know the nuts and bolts of uh, how to set up a property and uh, make it successful for them. Now, you say you're not focused on that side, but I'm looking at your website, whitetailpartners.com, if folks want to check it out. And, man, you've got a lot of, first off, great website, very well done. And But I'm seeing yeah, all you. these all these pictures that kind of really resonate with me, and I'm sure a lot of people that are out there that are maybe wanting to get where you and I are. But mm-hmm. I see family pictures, and, I mean, it sounds like you, it looks like you incorporate a pretty big crew into the projects. At, uh, is this your own land here, I assume? Yeah, so the, the, a lot of the pictures that I have in the basis of the website as well as social media too is I, I own land myself. I own uh, 40 acres of what is a larger uh, family farm, and we are very heavily into the development of that land. And uh, I own that along with a couple of my brothers, and we all have sons and daughters that uh, come out and work on projects, work on the land and, and hunt as well. So for us as you know, time, time moves on the desires of what we're looking for in the hunt change and, and just uh, all of those things that go into the, the, the habitat and the hunting uh, all year round is, is really what we've been into quite a bit. Yeah. Have you guys, how long have you owned that family farm? Uh, well, the, the family land has been in the, family for about four decades now, but the uh, um, land, the piece that we've come to own here, we bought uh, four years ago. And, you know, the, the family land uh, that's been in the family for some time has uh, not been something we've developed much over time. I mean, minor things, but not uh, the heavy hitting stuff of, you know, changing the landscape and planting different things and cutting trees and all that, which we now have been able to do with that 40 and really uh, turn that place around in a few years to make it uh, something special. Yeah. So doing that, and I assume like a lot of businesses, you know, when you're a small business guy, you kind of just start doing something that you find interesting and you have a love and passion for. And then Mm -hmm. did, is that how this started? People started kind of seeing what you were doing and you started realizing that, Hey, maybe there's an opportunity here that other people could use the same advice. And then it became a business. How did it all begin? Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly right. So I've, I've been a hunter my whole life and, you know, really passionate about bull hunting the last 10, 15 years. And, uh, you know, always been into hunting quite a bit and, and involved in that. And as time went on, the interest of, 
working with private land and the ability to uh, change it uh, to impact the hunt really uh, came in heavy, which is why we bought the property too. And you know, we were doing a few things already leading into this purchase because it was from family. We knew it was going to be ours. So we were starting to do a few things uh, even before the purchase. But yeah, that's how it, it transpired as we were doing more and more of these things and in this work and, and really just fell in love with it. And one thing leads to the next. You all of a sudden, it's just part of your conversations with your friends, your family. Uh, before long, you're looking at other uh, people's properties that you, friends that you have, and, and they want to know how to improve. And pretty soon you're looking at friends of friends. And before long, you have strangers calling you. And that's when you realize you have a business. So uh, that's how it all transpired. And, you know, now I've completed uh, three full seasons of habitat design with uh, uh, been starting uh, Whitetail Partners and uh, already booking next year for our fourth. So, wow. yeah, it's it's just the the ball keeps rolling and we're having fun doing it. You know, there's uh, you know, I'm a landowner myself, as we've talked many times, and and turning the love of your hobby into a business is, I think, it's a dream of many many guys. And I know it was mine, mm-hmm. but my area of expertise is sales. And I turned my love of the outdoors and the passion for hunting and the enjoyment of food plotting and land management into a career of sales, selling land. Um, and this is now my full-time gig. I, I left the medical device industry and did this and just jumped all in. So is this your full-time gig now or are you working part-time doing this and your full-time job or career is something else? What's that look like? Yeah, no, and, and it, provi- it provides good explanation for some more of my background. Uh, I uh, have education in engineering and have worked with a uh, contractor for about 20 years uh, doing uh, heavy highway construction. And I still am, am doing that and, and enjoying a good career in that. And this other business is something that uh, just came from, as you've described, that interest and hobby and passion and helping others. Uh, as well as a, a segue into, you know, maybe another uh, stage in my life uh, coming up down the road and, uh, you know, doing this more full time, uh, whatever that looks like, uh, you know, when that time comes. But yeah, yeah so in my background of detail oriented, uh, problem solving, engineering, all these things, that's where I connect with land and have a vision for how land can come from what it is today and to what it can be. Uh, tomorrow or down the road as we look at a plan. That's, that's really where you know my interest and uh, abilities all collide to help people out with their properties. Yeah, I can definitely see the engineering side of you coming out in some of your uh, habitat consulting plans. I've, I've got a couple friends, actually, and there seems to be a recurring theme with folks like you that are doing this very well, and these plans are really detail-oriented. You're all engineers, so you have that side of you. Because I think there's a there's a big difference between a guy who likes to go hunting and one that can run a business and design and do a and produce a good product. And from everything I can see, you produce a really good product, but you combine it with a pretty in depth knowledge base. So, congratulations! And yeah, well, hats off. To yeah, you. thank you for that. And. And, you know, I, I pride myself on the deliverable. I want to give people more than just a cocktail napkin sketch. I want them to have something that's a roadmap for 
their property, uh, prioritize it in the order that things can be most effective to get them done, and really have a, a complete picture of how to get from A to B uh, with a property. And you know that that's really a lot of what I'm focused with and helping people to to do that and and provide that vision for them. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I know there's a lot of different levels of these plans. Do you find that yours is your your plans are a little bit over the top if you you know in a good way? Um where where do you think you line up in that and what your deliverables are as compared to other guys that yeah. are doing this? Sure. Well, I again, I do focus on high level of detail and scale and things like that. I think it's easy to maybe understand how components of a plan might fit together, but when you don't have an eye for scale or distance and uh, take into effect all these uh, factors, you, you maybe lose a lot of the level of detail that's necessary to really communicate it to somebody. Um, not just that, but really the, the you know in-depth understanding of a plan. When I deliver, and my plans are in Google Earth, as you've seen, and everything in there can be scaled, can be, uh, you know, you can get an area of it. There's a lot of great functions in that. Obviously, the viewing of it is excellent that you can see it in 3D and all this stuff. But um, in addition to that, what I always do is when I turn over a plan to an owner, I will give a, a video presentation that's recorded. They can watch it as many times as they'd like as a private video uh, of you know, explaining absolutely every feature of that plan right down to each set, what type of stand it is, when when they should go in there, how they get there, the details of a mock scrape, a water hole, a travel corridor, you know, all these components that come together for a hunting setup, uh, trying to explain the details of it so they get not just, okay, here's, you know, what it is, but here's the why, here's how it works, and a better understanding of how to hunt. Wow. That's impressive. So I just, I assume this is delivered in a digital format with uh, hyperlinks and whatnot. Is that how you deliver it? Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. So each client, when I, I do a full design plan, they get both the uh, electronic plan in Google Earth, which is editable. And a lot of times people, can, you know, I, I show them how to do that. They can modify the plan as they field fit and tweak it and all that. Uh, but then the the report itself has uh, site-specific information is the first half of the report that goes through the details of their design and all that. Uh, and yes, then there's hyperlinks of, you know, to each within the report, uh, different things, but then videos, just a click on click here for a video about uh, this plan uh, to understand it in more detail. And I can explain in, you know, a 10 minute video, what would take me, three hours to write out in words. And I used to do that until I came across the process of doing this. And it's just a, a far better form of communication. Uh, and then the second half of the plan is a standard information, which is relevant to all habitat development. And that's, uh, a, you know, piles of pictures and explanations and more videos of the details of how to do the, do the work and make these setups. Man. That sounds that sounds detailed. I can remember back. I won't say his name. Um, I had a gentleman who's very well known in the industry to, for doing this, and probably one of the pioneers. Came out to my place and nice guy. You know, he walked the property and he spent some time out there, and then he left. And a couple of weeks later, I I think he sent it in the mail. I get a binder with, with um, 
some uh, hand-drawn maps and a, some kind of photocopied reports uh, or kind of like blogs, I guess, um, articles. And he had mm-hmm. a few pictures of my property and he took some colored pencils and he just drew it out. And that was, that was it. And I'll be honest with you. Um, I kind of wrote my check and felt like I just paid for something that I already knew and I didn't really get a whole lot out of that. But what you're doing mm-hmm. is next level stuff. I mean, you're, this is, this is, this is way above that. Now technology's changed and he didn't have access to what right. we have here, but the combination of, uh, Google earth, other websites. I see some drone video photography. Are you, are you a drone pilot as well? Is that yeah, part of it? I, I, I do drone work. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work and I don't want to advertise that too much from a standpoint of weather conditions with drones and right. overcast and wind and some of these things that make drone work difficult, but I absolutely try to incorporate it whenever the conditions are present. I always have my drone on a client visit to uh, look at their property. It makes for uh, additional uh, detailed information, pictures, and even some sketches and drawings uh, within those draw within those drone pictures to um, provide further detail. Um, and one thing you, you you hit on there too that I think is equally important is is follow up and helping people know they have you know the ability to ask questions and get back and continue that communication. It's not a a one and done. I don't return the report over and, and that's the end of it. I get a lot of calls, texts, emails, even video calls for people that uh, want to keep learning and developing their plan. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose the use of YouTube is going to help you be there, do that because you can, you're going to start hearing, and I know I do, um, the kind of recurring messages, recurring questions. And I see on your YouTube channel that you're um, kind of addressing some of those things. Is that kind of the reason of that? Because I can't imagine as your business grows, you're going to be able to give that personalized attention to every single person. It's just, you're going to be over overwhelmed with phone calls. Sure. We'll see how that develops in time. And I actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because one of my weakest links is, is my YouTube, but I, I'm going to work to develop that more. And what I want to do is really bite-sized information. Like you just said, those those uh, consistent questions that I've answered maybe a hundred times by now uh, to make a quick video on that. Uh, and hit, and also that'll add to the, uh, the, the, the amount of content within the report that people can say, okay, what is this? And right there's a, a link to another video. I, I keep yeah. adding those in. Um, a lot of those are private. I've done, uh, you know, whereas my YouTube channel only shows a few videos. I have hundreds of videos I've done for, plans and clients and uh, they're just unlisted because they're they, I, to date I've made them private but if I make them more generic and content to everybody that's that's going to be helpful and I know that's a thing I'm going to start developing here now that uh, the 2022 season is wrapped up yeah yeah well I could tell you from experience and you use the social media to get people to know you and and build your business. And man, it, there's just only so much you can do. There's only so many platforms a guy can do well and it's tough. But, um, if anybody's, you know, listening to this, uh, go to whitetail partners on YouTube and I'm looking at Sam's, uh, um, page here and he's only got five, uh, videos, but I'm sure that's going to grow, but I'm seeing some really neat things. And I like, like I'm looking at GIS mapping tech tips, you know, four minutes long. So there's some really good little bullet points there that'll 
yeah, short little videos. snippets there. And yeah. the uh, additionally too is I, I've where a lot of my content has been consistent is uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook, and, and I try to put out two or three posts a week that's just a good quality content. You know, just good solid information, tips, things people can put to work. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a good technique. Well, well, let's get on to what we brought you in here for. And I, I have this interaction with people all the time where they're ready to buy a property. They've been looking for a property and they've followed guys online and they kind of, they want that lifestyle of having their own piece of land to work and they, they want to raise their children on it and, you know, develop those lifetime memories and, and they saved up a little bit of money and, and they're looking and they're looking and then they're still looking. In the meantime, mm-hmm. the market's increased by 30% and they're like, gosh, darn it. You know, I needed, I needed $30,000 down before to buy that $150,000 property. And now I need $50,000 to buy the same property because it's 200,000 or whatever, you know, the it's gone up mm-hmm. and they just can't get in the game. So when we started talking, what really piqued my interest is you have a solution for that and you do some coaching and advising on people that, for people that want to buy a piece of property before they buy it. And you're not a real estate agent, right? That's right. That's right. You're a consultant, coach, engineer, landowner, project design specialist. And I know you have a process. So the scenario is I'm a new guy. And my wife and I have decided to buy our first, you know, hundred and hundred acre farm and we have the money saved up and we are ready to pull a trigger and we call Sam mm-hmm. Billhorn. Take us through the process. What happens next? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, good setup. I appreciate that uh, context. And what I always like to do is, well, well, first of all, the, the bigger picture here is helping enable confidence for that potential buyer. You know, every property has its pluses and minuses. There, There is not a perfect property out there. Um, and I think it's important for people to acknowledge that first off, because that uh, kind of uh, helps break the ice as far as that, um, you know, never-ending search, as you described before, and, and try and say, what are the what are the must-haves and what are the like-to-haves? And we kind of work through that. You mean there's not, have, there's not Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young Bucks on every single farm that you're going to refer me to? No, there's absolutely not. And part of that <laughs> is just starting with those priorities, you know? You're, you're, where you're at, maybe, Neil, you're in a pretty good part of the state there. So you have, you have a little more potential. Yeah, so. yeah. But, uh, you know, it really, it's, it's, it's about setting expectations. And, the, you know, the first thing I do is just get to know them, kind of what their goals are. I mean, once, once people lay out what they, what they want and what their objectives are, and, you know, like I just described, those must-haves, uh, we can more quickly move into the details. The, and basically, um, you know, sometimes I find it's better to review a property and determine if there's a deal breaker rather than a, a deal maker. Um, because in, unless there's something that's, you know, really going to uh, not meet their goal, well, then it's probably something they can work with or it's worth having those extra year or years uh, from that process you described of this never-ending search. Yeah, you know, I have a very similar early phase process when I'm helping people look for a property, and it's called qualifying. You qualify a buyer, and you try to do that over the phone, Mm -hmm. 
before you ever get in the truck with them because otherwise you're going to be driving literally for three years looking for a property if you don't <laughs> identify right. what are you looking for up front. So, um, so yeah, walk us through a little bit of that. Be, be specific. Yeah, so, yeah. What I, what I like to do, is, 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 again, referencing from detail-oriented and um, wanting to give people information and education on how to look at a piece of land. You know, my context, as you described before, is uh, for hunting and for uh, to be their advocate, to be purely taking on their goals, their interests, and, and wanting to accomplish that um, as a you know their representative, so to speak, uh, without necessarily a, a, an interest or need of the sale. Um, so I look at it and try and, and get out from them. What are those things I have uh, to be? I guess I'll start very detailed, and then I'll make it generic. Is you know, I have a, I think it's up to over 60 point checklist now that I go through with a property with somebody. So they may come in and have a more general circumstance of how do I look for a property? Well, then we can just talk about the context of these things, but, or it's a specific property and then we can review them. So starting off, I do have an order in which I do this. The first thing, as I said, the must have, this is things like, you know, why do you want to own the property? What what are your expectations of it? What size? You know, what's your budget? What are, what's the general region or area? Um, you know, we talk about working with a realtor, working with a guy like your, yourself to, uh, you know, find the right type of person to partner with and, and get connected with and all those things. And, and basically these are really big picture things, but you know, once you can zero in on, uh, an, a region, a county, a, few townships, whatever that case may be, you're going to help people just by doing that and that they're able to narrow their vision and, and focus in on, uh, just even on the map, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I'm paying, I'm playing a little devil's advocate here, but first off, I mm -hmm. assume that you've, they've hired you as a consultant first before you're having this conversation. Like there's been a fee transaction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. that's exactly right. I, I, these are the the scenario here is a uh, online meeting, a Zoom meeting. Okay. Um, I I charge just for a, a two hour meeting or whatever time they might need uh, a fee to uh, just meet with them and have a conversation. Okay. So this is empowering them, answering their questions, and giving them tools that they can take moving forward. A lot of people I've met with reviewed a property. Uh, maybe they decided that one wasn't for them, but then they have, you know, the tools and, and the mindset of how to look at it, uh, for the next property and the, and the list to go along with it, obviously. Okay. Uh, and they look at a second and third property and then all of a sudden I hear, hear they, they bought it or they come back to me and we go through a couple of details they may need to know on that. And then they're able to purchase it. And then we're off to talking about, uh, design and layout and all those things that I, I do following. Right. So there's, sounds like there's a pretty low cost input at the beginning if as a price point, it sounds like, and you don't have to get into that just now. We can get that to the end, but what I, you yeah. know, I, I do a similar process when I'm interviewing a buyer and I'll ask them and I start to do some of the, I kind of interrupted your 60 points, but we'll get back to that, but I want to make a point here. No, that's great. No problem. Um, I started asking some simple questions and then what I get and I'm wondering if you get this is, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Those are, that's, um, I can't, you know, I, yep. I kind of want that, you know, just, just send me everything you got. 
I'm, you know, when you, when you get something that is got Pope and young Boone and Crockett deer, and it's really cheap and really good, just, yeah, just send that to me. And then mm-hmm. they kind of want to get off the phone with me, you know, give me their information. And I'm like, Oh, back up. Uh, you know, I can simply put you as a search in the MLS and it'll, I'll put, mm-hmm. you know, Buffalo County, Wisconsin, 100 acres with a, you know, and up and that'll be it. And it'll send you everything and nothing will match what you really want. Cause I don't know the specifics. Um, so you gotta mm-hmm. be, yeah, I gotta help Damian. Do you find that with people or are they, are they, since they're paying you, I suppose they want a little bit more detail. Hopefully they do. Yeah. You know, I, I get that context. And like you said, you know, if they're, they're just wanting to more or less set up a search, uh, that's one thing, but when they're, when they're really getting to be a, uh, you know, a buyer that's ready to go, uh, they, they, they're asking more detailed questions. You probably see this as well. You know, they're, they're starting to dial in and, and that's where I'm focused in doing that. So once we get the basic context out of, you know, where do you, you know, a, a lot of people, it's where do you need to be? Some people are more flexible, but you know, once you, once you have that and you're getting the right expectations, like, Hey, if you're going to, you know, go be in the North woods, you're going to have a different expectation for your uh, whitetail hunting than you are. If you're going to go to Trample County, you know, like you're going to have very different context of what to expect. Um, and, and that's, that's getting in then to the region. So I have the first things and then I talk about price and budget, but, and then region, you know, knowing local knowledge, your potential, what type of setting is it? You know, what is, what is the ground like? What is the topography like? And, you know, what are, where are some of the details within that? And, and I don't have, uh, you know, specific knowledge of every single county and that I'm going to point them somewhere, but these are basics to help them dial in and get an idea of where it would be good to go, um, the size of a property, but then also starting to get into some of the details, which has been, you know, the next level of questions. Right. You know, and for people that are listening to this, there may be, we're in Wisconsin, obviously I'm in Western Wisconsin and, and Sam's, you're down more towards Madison, right? South Central. Yeah, I'm in okay. Southern Wisconsin. Right. Okay. So what Sam's referring to here is what I experienced early on. So I actually purchased some land in northern Wisconsin back in 2005. And when I went up there, I had been hunting farmland for a while or central Wisconsin, big woods, but a lot of deer, high deer population. And I remember when I got to northern Wisconsin to Ashland County, one of the first times I was sitting at a bar having a beer during deer season, just awesome night with hunter orange everywhere. And, you know, and Pete guys said, yeah, you're going to have a kind of a rude awakening here because there's just, you might go three or four days or two weeks and never even see a deer, let alone mm-hmm. get a shot at one that you want to, you know, kill versus down in where I'm at in Polk County, I'll go out. I don't think I've ever sat on a stand and not seen multiple deer. And even if it was a small right. buck, seen a buck quite a difference. And so what Sam is talking about, Sam, or I think you're saying is you're setting these expectations because when you start to dial people in, like, what are you, what are you looking, what's your experience you're looking for? And not everybody has to have Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett. Some guys just want to see deer. They just want to go on deer, right? right? So I can appreciate what you're saying there. Yeah. You know, in helping them, at least if they haven't defined it, start thinking that way, what, what their expectations are. You know, whenever you get into a situation, discontentment just comes from 
unmet expectations. Well, if you didn't have them or you didn't define them moving in, you're a tough place before you even get there. I would agree. And I'm get, um, I'm betting that as you have these conversations after this first two hour, it gets them thinking and then they really do start to evaluate what, what yeah, what are my expectations? I mean, what do I want? Because if I've got a 10 year old kid that, you know, isn't going to walk through, you know, knee high to mm-hmm. me, to him, hip high snow and sit in the back of the edge of a Schwamagon National Forest Swamp where there's not a bank's outdoor warm blind. It's on the ground or in a tree stand or in a tent. That's might not be the best choice for you at that point in your life. Although it may be very affordable, which may be mm-hmm. well for your life at that point. I mean, right. Do you get into that kind of stuff? Absolutely. But then it's defining, you know, we, we didn't talk too much of this, but we do spend a good amount of time saying who, who are the hunters? Who are the hunting party? What does that look like? Because the, what you did, a, you gave a great visual picture of, of what, uh, you know, the bad, the bad situation you're trying to avoid, you know, if kids or seniors or whomever and, you know, special needs, all these things that we, we want to account for. Um, we need to have that context coming in. And then to your point, if it's, well, it's a, it's a low price property. Well, I'd rather have the right 20 acres versus the cheap 40 acres, you know, the, and that's some of the conversations we have at that uh, beginning level of detail. Right. That's a great point. I actually had the same conversation with a guy very early, bought a property, um, smaller property. I recall it was 30 acres. It was over on the Red Cedar River. And uh, he wanted a lot bigger property. And I said, you know, but sometimes a smaller property in the right spot can give you the results that you're, that you think you need to spend a lot more money Mm -hmm. on and you think you want. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the prettiest property isn't the best property when you have big, beautiful park-like trees, the deer don't like that. So long story on this one, he he ended up buying this property. It was an old strip mine that had all grown up into a jungle. I mean, you, there were some remnants roads in there and uh, day one, on the first day of the hunt at 7:45 he heard footsteps in the water of the river and he looked down the shooting lane that I said I think this is a good spot right here because there's a great river crossing there's a little pinch point where the river got shallow I, I, I have a photo someplace and it's got to be 160 inches and he hadn't been on his <laughs> and his new property for 45 minutes and he shot it on the first day. It was the right. first shot. It was the first deer I ever saw. And this guy sends me this picture. He's in the back of a pickup holding these antlers and the biggest grin on his face. He said, and he, he was just like spewing. He was just, I can't believe that you talked me into this place. And now I got to thank you for talking me into this place. And uh, yeah, so you're right. Yeah, you don't need you don't need a ton of land. Sometimes you just need the right land to get what you want. Yeah, that's right. And I'll in, with the benefit of a online meeting, I can show uh, designed and already built properties as examples. You know, like I, I always tell people, I I very rarely see a sixty or eighty I'd trade for my forty. You know, like in terms of what it has become, what we built it into versus just the pure acreage of something larger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I'm in that context with people online, I can show them those designs, show them why. And then we start to get into that next level of detail. You know, we talked about region. Uh, now we're starting to drill down into uh, neighborhood is, is what I call it. You know, whereas what's the, 
what's the land within here? Is it a big, wide open river valley uh, with not much timber, or are we uh, getting more heavily timbered? And you know, starting to talk about uh, other, you know, things like balance of uh, open ground and timber and uh, ratios that we look at within a property and uh, percentage of, you know, percentage of tillable, some of those sort of things. Uh, when I look at a list, I, like just for a simple example, a guy like yourself, I'll say, hey, interested in some ground in Polk County, um, you know, send me, send, it, send me the list of available properties and make sure you have the, you know, you can, you can get this on MLS, but, you know, have that breakdown of tillable, timber, and other, other types. And, and simply just sort those by percentages because I'm I'm zeroing in on a certain range of percentage that I want to see for existing open ground. Um, that's a in my mind a deal breaker is a 100% timbered parcel that doesn't have a slope you can you can clear to put a food plot on. You know that that for me, uh, unless it's a very unique circumstance, is a is a deal breaker. Yeah, you know. So what do you have a percentage? that you like to see that you yeah. target? What do you like? Well, I like to see in different uh, regions are going to vary this a little bit, but in general to talk, you know, bigger regional or neighborhood, I want to see a mixture of uh, timber and uh, open ground. I just say open ground generically because that could be tillable or it could be pasture. Mm-hmm. It could be a, a variety of things. Um, and I want to see, I want to see a balance, you know, uh, 50, 50 is great, but you start to open up that bandwidth to say, you know, 25, 75, either way is tolerable. Um, and then, you know, depending on what other types of features come in, and this is speaking so very generically, uh, but, you know, what other types of features come in that allows you to, um, you know, have that range be swayed one way or the other. Like, for example, if there's uh, wetland or other, uh, types of ground uh, that that you might have, um, and the reason for this is one of the biggest bases for design is to have uh, to have food plots, to have op- other open field habitat, uh, be it warm season grasses and plantings and other things, screening around your plots and things like that. Um, if you do not have that open ground, uh, it's very difficult to uh, to do this to do these things and not to say that a fully timbered parcel can't because you can certainly do clearing, but a lot of times the timber is there for a reason. It's because it's on a slope and that's uh, often, you know, the case that that makes these properties difficult is they're hard to then develop because you can't get a full uh, suite of of features on them, including, you know, those much needed food plots uh, and, and other, other features. You know, when I bought my first property was 120 acres. Uh, I called it Krause Creek. It was on Krause Creek in Ashland County in Mellon, Wisconsin. And uh, I just walked out of that property with this guy and said, I'll take it. And I didn't approach it at all with these things in mind. Although I had watched copious amounts of YouTube videos and and I, all the TV shows of the guys, you know, working food plots. And that was most definitely in my future. I wanted to do that. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'll just buy some land and get into it and then I'll have food plots. Well, it was a little bit of a rude awakening when I actually purchased the land and then tried to find guys with bulldozers and timbering guys. And it was, I got in way, 
over my head. And I learned very quickly that it can be done. Um, and I ended up di- simply getting a bulldozer when I first started. And I went in there and I bulldozed out probably 16th acre openings. They were really tiny, but man, was I happy. I mean, I paid a guy, I said, I, I think I said, I got 3000 bucks and I want some openings. And I picked out a couple spots, you know, put aside the, the access. And I didn't think, okay, I'm going to walk in from the south, uh, uh, east, and mm-hmm. I'm going to have a northwest. Right. I, I was smart enough to do that, but honestly, that was the only out access. But when I got this property and I started creating these food plots, uh, they I get, did get them planted, and I've got pictures of the most beautiful green food plots with fall foliage you ever want to see. But by November, it was a putting green, so I hadn't even taken mm-hmm. into account the deer population in the area, which was low. But now <laughs> I sucked in every right. deer that was in. So, you know, these habitat considerations are nice, you know, and now as a land specialist, like at my current farm, when I walked onto my current farm, I, it just was like, Oh, you know, I could hear like the angel right. sing. It was like, Holy cow. I mean, I was in love from the moment I stepped on and it was because there was mm-hmm. openings. And I think, uh, you know, the national deer association, formerly QDMA guidelines say, you know, try to find, you know, eight to 10, 12% of the land and openings for food. And that's, my farm already had that. So it had the edge and the habitat, but you, mm-hmm. I, I look at literally thousands of acres of land or literally thousands and thousands. And I rarely see what I purchased. So that's not very common, right? Those, the, it's hard to find that. Yeah, no doubt. And, and having that diversity across the landscape of, uh, the different types of habitat that exist. um, is, is special, you know, the more, the more complicated a piece of ground is and you kind of find your head spinning when you're looking at it initially, probably the better deer parcel it's going to be. Uh, another thing to throw into that that we haven't talked about, but it's always present when you have a combination of timber and open ground is topography. You know, the more, uh, the more you have going on with topography, often the better, uh, as far as, you know, the ability to make it, um, you know, to make these improvements as well as how the deer relate to topography uh, is something we're going to leverage when it comes to setting that that property up. Yeah. Great point. You know, I heard another thing to consider from the sales aspect, and I've had this conversation with a guy, said, uh, Mr. Buyer, um, you're 68 years old or you're 58 years old even, and um, we're walking and we're in Buffalo County. And the reason the bucks here are as big as they are is because there's these deep coolies that might be a thousand foot elevation change or hundreds of deep coolies, deep dark, and they can get down there. They can hunt, uh, hide themselves. They take advantage of thermals. It's a completely different hunting experience, number one, than let's say Wood County, Wisconsin, which is typically flat. I mean, uh, you know, a, a, a molehill uh, is a elevation change there. Um, mm-hmm. It makes it, not only does it make it difficult to hunt, which is why the bucks are so big, if you kill something, remember, you got to get it out of there and think about that. How do you, how are you going to get it out when you have a 250 pound, you know, booner at the bottom of a coulee and you can't take it out the backside, the bottom side? Those are, consi- uh-huh. those are things to think about. Right. Well, thankfully now in the state, we can uh, quarter it and all those things, but that's uh, not for all, not for everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I, I so, wonder how many guys even know how to do that because we've been, we've been gut uh, and right drag. On, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we've been gut and draggers for, <laughs> for 
forever. I don't think I've ever quartered a deer, although I, I probably could. I mean, how hard can it be, right? But yeah, so get them out. Yeah, that can be a challenge. Yeah. So. Okay, uh-huh. so I'll well, go on a couple western hunts and you'll have it figured out. Yeah, figured out. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's my that's on my bucket list for sure. I haven't been out there a lot of years, so. All right, so we break down the habitat from kind of macro views. I know there's a million points yeah. here that we yeah. could talk about, but. We've kind of narrowed it down for this uh, this this buyer that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And what's next? Ha- hunting and how yeah. you hunt it and that kind of stuff? That's right. Okay. Yeah, so the first half of the list was the big view, like you described. Getting into the second half, um, looking is now we're looking at a parcel. You know, we're looking at the property. And the first six points on the second half is all about access. So it's how do we get to the parcel? Does, you know, are there easements? Are there roads? Are there, you know, how, how many sides can we access it on from a, from a road or an easement and whatnot? You know, how, how good of perimeter access do we have? Is there multiple points we can get in here? Um, how good are, you know, is the, are the existing uh, maintenance roads within the property? So this isn't necessarily related to hunting, but it is to the habitat development is how easily can you move about the property? Um, screening areas, you know, parking, you know, how do you, you know, where do you come in and are you blowing out the whole property and, and how you do that? Um, you know, so access is a big, a big piece we start off with. And then we move into a whole, a big list of what I call pre-existing conditions. So, uh, some of the, some simple things like in, I call encumbrances. So uh, is there an easement through your property? You know, we want to research those things. Are there are there, is it enlisted in a government program that is going to give them restrictions to how they can use the ground? Are there uh, existing leases for farming or even hunting that they don't know about? Um, uh, trespassing and some of those considerations. Is it uh, you know is there a snowmobile trail through the property? And not that that's a not that that's a deal breaker, but these are all things to to be aware of and how that all comes together. Um, Moving into the, you know, is there a home or buildings or where on the property is that located? If that's in the heart of the property, from a hunting standpoint, that has a, a huge negative effect because you're, uh, in essence, blowing out a good chunk of the property, depending on how that is set up. So that's always something to look at. And, uh, you know, the, the building sites, are there, you know, if they're going to build or there's buildings, you know, where are the utilities? What are the build, you know, the, other buildings that are there, uh, is it buildable? Some of those things that you surely have considerations with your buyers too, that people have a certain thing in, in mind for their, um, you know, they're going to build a cabin or, yes. or do whatnot. But a lot of these very practical things, but also from a hunting mindset, uh, what impact do those things have uh, to what they can do to develop a land? Uh, and then how is it going to, how are they going to be able to hunt it? Yeah. What you're stating is so important. So I have a, hundred acre parcel I have in mind. I spoke with the, uh, the seller and he's ready to sell and I've expressed interest in buying and man, what a beautiful property. And if I, if I buy this property, which I'm trying to right now and I fix it up and then I'll use it a little bit and then I'll probably put it back on the market when I have used it mm-hmm. and got it beautiful again. But I want to, I want you to picture this. So it, it's North South running 100 acres and it's in kind of bluff country. Um, 
you got high timber on the north end, you got high timber on the south end, and the east ridge, and there's a west ridge. So you're really a kind of a bowl, kind of long rectangle bowl. Mm-hmm. The downer about this property is that as you drive in, you come through a long driveway and it takes you all the way down, about two thirds of the way down to the past the center of the property to almost two thirds to the end of it. And that's where the building Mm -hmm. is. When you get there, it's got this beautiful, like spring fed seep. I'm going to call it, it's not even a Creek. It's about a foot wide, but it's two feet trenched in because of years of fresh water going down. So it, it would be a great pond if you got the permits to put it in. There are about 12 acres of rolling food plots. There's just some fallow fields. There's areas that would be are screaming to have an orchard or something. And he shoots mm-hmm. he shoots Boone and Crockett deer off this property. This is in Dunn County. And he shoots Pope and Young almost every year. But he only hunts it. He doesn't live there and he doesn't use it otherwise. Other than coming in and building, or excuse me, doing his food plots, he's not there. And he shoots Right. Pope and Young every year. If a guy was to, if I, if I put that up for sale and I walk you through after I've shown you the drone videos with the photography and the videography that I do, you will be in love with this. I could probably get you to write an offer before I even take you there. But this is, this is one of those situations. Good salesman, Neil. Good yeah, salesman. Right. Well, you know, I, I get, <laughs> yeah, maybe, but, uh, uh, but you know, I just visually, I know what people fall in love sure. with. And this is exactly yeah. what you're talking about is knowing ahead of time what you're looking for, how you'll use it, and then starting to get into some of the micro details. Because the first week or two in the fall that you come and have a campfire at that little steel cabin that's down there, those Pope and Youngers are gone. They're no, they know you're there, and they're not coming back out. So you could be really disappointed because you didn't do your homework, like Sam is t- telling you. So I just wanted to throw that in there because it – lines yeah. up perfectly with what you're talking about. Yeah. And, but I do want to say also too, and this gets back to, um, defeating that uh, caution that sometimes overtakes people is there's, there's workarounds. So a lot of times you describe this, a uh, good picture here of this long driveway that goes through the middle of the property. Well, if the property is a hundred acres or perhaps more, and also this depends on what's around the property too. So this, this, vantage point is, is bigger than just the property itself. But if you're going to split that, it's much like a road that goes through the middle of the property, which now instead of owning, say, a 100-acre property, you own two fifties because you split it in half, and now you've got to treat each side separately. So sometimes that access coming through the middle of the property can be worked with in the design uh, to, to have more of that inside-out approach rather than outside in, we try to do uh, just from a textbook standpoint to try and not have as much impact to the middle of a property, but you know, it, it can be worked with. And that's the thing I always would like to bring back is to say, you know, I, my list of deal breakers are pretty short, uh, but that's because we have a, you know, pretty extensive toolbox of how to work through it. Yeah. You know, and so Sam's looking at this obviously from an engineering habitat guy, and I look at it from a sales guy, but has that habitat background. And I can't agree with you more is I get a lot of times I get buyers that I would take there and they wouldn't, they want to see, they want to see these velvet bucks out in the field and they want to know that they can come in there and shoot them first night. And sometimes they want to bring the family there. And so when I start pulling all this stuff together of how you're going to use it, I always tell them, 
you got to look at it. It's got great bones. I, I always say it's got great bones. So you're in a neighborhood and Sam just said, you know, it's not just your property, it's the neighbors and even pull back a little bit more. And so you're in a great neighbor. So it has that potential. And then there's things that you can do, which is what you do where, okay, we'll, we'll take lemonade. It's not perfect, but we'll sweeten it up a little bit. We're going to put some switchgrass here. We're going to put a pond there. We're going to put minerals if you can, or a food plot, right? So you're going to start designing it. Maybe instead of the deer having the run of the whole property, maybe you focus your activity for hunting on the north end and the south end is more your family type of use. Is that kind of what you're getting mm-hmm. at? All right. Yeah, absolutely. Defining human areas is what I say, you know, very bluntly is this is where that family time and those things happen and that's okay. And, and in fact, the deer will be accustomed to that. That's where the noise is and the kind of separate the worlds of, of, you know, what, uh, how they relate to the property. Uh, that can also be leveraged too. A lot of times some really great hunting stands are ones that are located 20 yards off a roadway or a driveway because the impact is minimal uh, to the deer area, so to speak. You know, they, they don't, they associate your coming and going with that of the, the roadway or the driveway, not hunting. Right. And we're going to leverage that when we set up the design. Yeah, exactly. And that's why you get a guy like, like Sam to do this for you. Hey, so let, let's dial it down and just tighten it down a little bit more on mm-hmm. like the tools right. that you use. So I was looking at some of your videos and I was really impressed at how you were walking through like GIS topography and you mentioned easements and restrictions that show up and where are you, how, how are you finding this information? Cause it seemed like it was all online. It's all available. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a wealth of information available publicly a great place for people to look if they're not familiar with it's just their own county's website or the county they're looking at. You can learn a lot about a property that way. Um, the GIS uh, uh, systems that are out there, which is mapping systems that have as much information as the, uh, can be made available, different map layers of uh, soil types and elevations and, and getting into some of the legal things of ownership and access and parcel numbers and all those restrictions. Um, the, the DNR, for example, with all of the government programs, you know, the MFL lands, managed forest lands, um, and different, uh, you know, different programs that are out there. There's maps that show all of this stuff and, uh, they're pretty easily readily available, just a matter of knowing where to go, uh, and see that. So that's, that's one way you can research a property to find out some of those details. And, and, and that's nice too, as it gets into the, the final level of detail here, which is really starting to study the habitat and uh, you know, the, um, you know, the layout and getting in towards the design. So the, the final piece of this review with somebody is talking about how this property sets up from a the basic standpoint of what a design and what a hunting plan is going to look like. Um, so those are those tools we're using and kind of folding those in at the same time to see different um, different types of vegetation, different types of elevation, you know, elevation and soils and all that coming together uh, to try and have a more detailed understanding of what's out there. Uh, and this is without obviously without even setting foot on the property. Um, and that's something that can be done as well. Obviously, if they get to that level of detail and want it, um, that's something that I do with people, too, is to actually go look at a property. Wow. Guys, if you're, if you are thinking about buying a piece of property and this is coming from a, 
this is the sales guy of me talking. This should be the first stop off. You should either find an agent that can talk with what Sam's talking or call Sam and go through this process because these, these, we talked, we're, we're coming up on the end of our hard stop here, but we've talked about the macro pieces of doing an evaluation, but a guy like Sam is going to walk you through these micro things. And I'm telling you, it's probably the best uh, couple hours you are ever going to spend because on the backside, when you come to me and you have this in front of you, two things, perfect is hard to find. Sometimes good is good enough. And at least when you come to a sales guy, wherever they're at, you've got a general understanding of, I know I'm not going to find exactly, but I know what I'm looking for, number one. Number two, when you see something that has most of the things that Sam's talking about with habitat and how you're going to hunt and access and topography, you're able to pull the trigger uh, quickly and get in. And that's a whole nother story about buying it. But then on the outside... I could tell you from experience that when you buy land and it's a lifetime investment for some people and some people it's a two-year investment, the increase in value because you approach this with a process, you have a great story about the property and you have the data to show it. I'm going to, Sam, I'm going to go out on a limb and say three to $500 an acre and maybe even more increased value because of them starting the process with the end in mind. Would you agree with that? That's absolutely right. Yeah, I agree with that, Neil. And I think, you know, looking at it too, it's how is it then going to show when you have an organized property with hunting access, stands, food plots, these sort of things, when you develop that property, and I'm not talking, you know, decades of work, I'm talking some of the basics, just getting the the property set up properly. uh, That allows you as the agent to go out there and, and show how the thought process has already been there. And, and just that, that, you know, it's just like, a house shows well, uh, this, you know, property that's set up is going to show well, uh, too. Yeah, I would agree. I know I personally approached it this way, exactly what you're talking about. And this is a, hopefully a podcast in my future, how I made three moves to uh, being a millionaire in land. And I would say mm-hmm. I'm, I, I would say I'm a, a move or maybe two, depending on the market and how it holds up from having an asset that's worth a million bucks and walked my process has been exactly what you're doing, except for I would admit it's not as uh, eloquent and well done as what you're doing. You've got this systematized, outstanding job. Um, this is this has been some good stuff. Well, Sam, we're well. Thanks, Neil. It's been it's been good sharing with you. Yeah, we're we're about fifty five minutes, and I'm sure people are uh, they're getting to the end of their listening um, pleasure. So. There are so many things we could talk about. I mean, I got to have you back. I got to meet you. We've been talking about meeting, maybe walking my farm, Indian Creek. And um, I'd like to even work with you somehow if we can ever do that. And if it's simply a referral back and forth, that's that's kind of what we do. And that's what I would be glad to do. But this is, this mm-hmm. is good stuff because, man, we could talk about wind and scent and stand access timing and targeting bucks and trail cams and the gear and you know how that all relates to the property that you purchase i mean this is there's a dozen podcasts or more in our future that's right we could yeah, simply it's hard to cap it at an hour but i know info. i know mm-hmm. well well great well sam if people wanted to get a hold of you and folks this is the guy you need to call um give him a call and spend a few hours with him and pay a few bucks and you are going to be light years of head 
and then find yourself a land specialist agent. Sam, how do they get a hold of you? Give go ahead and give your all your your social media. And- yeah, you bet. Yes. Thanks, Neil. Uh, website is whitetailpartners.com. Uh, you can find me on social media with the same name, both uh, Instagram and Facebook. As Neil talked about, there's a little bit there with uh, YouTube. Um, but lot, everything you'd want to know about services and how to reach me is on the website. Awesome. Well, man, I can't believe we're an hour. This flew by and I was taking notes all the way along. I'm thinking, oh gosh, we need to come back to this, but another time. All right. Can I have you back? I'd be, I'd be happy to Neil. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me today. All right, buddy, get out there and, uh, design some habitat and we'll talk to you later. Take care, Neil. All right. Bye-bye. What a great guy Sam is. I tell you what, I am actually going to bring him up to my farm. I was just impressed with him from the moment I saw his uh, process. Uh, I know I can learn a lot from him. And as Sam and I uh, started talking more and more on the phone just about my own property and what he's doing, I think we realized that he and I might gel pretty well because I think we're cut from the same cloth. And I really like his approach. There's a lot of land specialists out there that you could choose that will come to your properties and write plans. But... I don't know of many who approach it with the kind of that engineering background and using the tools and just the detail work that Sam puts into um, his plans really kind of set him apart. So I'm actually um, looking forward to having him up to my place sometime soon if he's ever in the area. I know he's going to he's going to swing by and we're going to talk and get to know each other. So I hope you enjoyed that uh, episode. So, hey, folks, if you're looking for land anywhere in the United States, you're buying or you're selling. And I want you to give me a call because I'd like to be your guy in the land business. I have people, I have connections that I can help you with in almost in every state. I'm surely I can surely I can get you in touch with the right guy. So please give me a call. I am getting a, getting a lot of calls from people all over the United States that are hearing these podcasts. So it makes me feel really good. Whether you're listening to my podcast, the American Landman podcast, or you've heard me on other podcasts, um, I'll be glad to help you. I literally just got off the phone with a guy from Nebraska today, uh, and he and I'm setting him up with uh, uh, some help. And I want to be your guy in the land business, but for sure, if you're selling land or buying land in the St. Croix River Valley or of Western Wisconsin or the Mississippi River Valley, I cover counties from Polk County to Dunn, St. Croix, Pierce Pepin, Buffalo, all the way down to Trumplo County. I want to be your guy in the land business. Give me a call. I could represent you on a sell. I could represent you on a buy. And if I can't help you, I, I know somebody who can. Uh, so I'd like to be your guy in the land business. I want to thank you again for checking in. Uh, if you haven't done already, please leave us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening. And I thank you very much in advance for doing that. I'm Neil Hogger. I'm a land specialist for Whitetail Properties Real Estate. And you've been listening to the American Landman Podcast.